Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hardison. Week three is almost done. We got one hell of a game coming up on Monday night between the Chiefs and Ravens, but we are 15 games done. Only one more, three weeks. It's awesome. Wasn't that long ago that we were wondering if we would have this season. It has been a blessing each and every step of the way. Uh, you know, unfortunately, some more injuries are going to hit. Uh, not every one of our bets has come through. Not every one of our fantasy investments has, uh, you know, worked out. But hey, at the end of the day, we've had three great weeks of football to watch and many more to come. So I'm pumped and uh, just want to go over the action we just saw today. We'll be going through all 14 games, uh, snap rates, you know, fancy takeaways, injuries, things to look for moving forward. Uh, yeah, try to make it as actionable as possible while also catching you up on the games. Uh, you know, last week went a little bit longer and I wanted want to keep this under an hour as much as possible. But yeah, let's get to it. So yeah, again, format for the game. We're gonna go through, uh, just list the score, go through the key running back snaps. I've watched uh, out of these 14 games, 11 of them so far. So, you know, excuse the ignorance on a few spots, but we'll get those caught up on Monday. And then uh, three main thoughts for the game. And I got a a new feature, which is just a fun stat uh, for each matchup that I think is uh, pretty interesting and uh, cool. So we'll go with that. And yeah, so before we get started, though, I want to list out some of the just key injuries from the games uh, so far. And, you know, again, we'll get more word on this Monday when the coaches have their press conferences uh, and all that. And also Wednesday when there's actual practice reports coming out we'll really know for sure but for the time being these are the players that I picked up uh, you know through Twitter and watching the games that were hurt so Falcons wide receiver Russell Gage uh, is, in a, is in the concussion protocol Bills wide receiver John Brown suffered a calf injury Eagles wide receiver Deshaun Jackson suffered a hamstring injury Eagles tight end Dallas Goddard suffered an ankle injury Bears running back Tariq Cohen is believed to have suffered a torn ACL and is expecting to miss the remainder of the season Saints tight end Jared Cook has an ankle injury Seahawks running back Chris Carson has a leg injury Buccaneers wide receiver Chris Goblin has a hamstring injury as does Los Angeles Chargers wide receiver Mike Williams Uh, Steelers wide receiver Deontay Johnson is in the concussion protocol and finally 49ers tight end Jordan Reed First suffered an ankle injury, came back in, and appeared like he suffered a knee injury on the same leg. So we'll go with knee and ankle for now. Poor Jordan, guy just can't stay healthy. But those are the key injuries for now. And again, uh, tune in to uh, you know, the podcast uh, throughout the week after Monday Night Football. I go over some of the waiver claims after Thursday Night Football. I talk about the injuries going into uh, next Sunday. So we'll have more clear information then. But without further ado, let's get into some of these games. So first one we're going to start with is the Browns and the Washington football team. The Browns took this one home 34-20. And it it was, you know, I don't want to say fun, but, you know, I do find a lot of these football games fun. It it was interesting. We'll go with that. Uh, Browns backfield split. Nick Chubb played 53% of the offensive snaps. Kareem Hunt was there at 47%. I mean, Chubb had 19 carries, one target. Kareem was at 16 carries, three targets. Kind of same thing we've seen, though, where it's Hunt did score a touchdown lined up as a receiver, so that was a positive. Uh, you know, part, but I mean, the split we were hoping for here was 80-50, you know, but Hunt on the field a lot at the same time as Chubb. Unfortunately, we're not getting that. Hunt has kept it going because they've really been in these positive game script situations where he's been out there late in the fourth and they're really uh, helping extend these leads. Uh, he's a great player who will continue to make the most of his opportunities, but I'm just a little nervous about expecting, you know, Hunt's really big start to continue uh, moving on. Over with the Washington, though, Antonio Gibson didn't quite take that step forward. I thought last week he was at 65% snaps. That went down to 40% uh, today as he did have a team high, team high nine carries, three targets, but J.D. McKissick led the way at 53% snaps, five carries, and four targets. So at least Peyton Barber is out of the picture. But, uh, you know, my hope was that Antonio Gibson would be the uh, – 
you know, a pretty much fantasy RB2 from here on out. It's looking like we're still going to be a little bit a ways from that. So, yeah, I mean, three three main takeaways are that the Browns are continuing to rotate the RBs in this offense. And, hey, if they keep getting in these positive game script situations, they can make the most out of it. And they're both so talented. I mean, Chubb went for 108 yards, two touchdowns. Both, both scores were really pretty, particularly the first one. He broke two or three tackles and showed that vision. And Kareem Hunt, you know, only 46 rushing yards, but added in 18 yards and a touchdown receiving. I mean, the receiving touchdown uh, – lined about why was great and his other catch probably should have been a touchdown but he kind of fell and Baker didn't give him the best ball but he pretty much OBJ'd it you know with one hand falling back so impressive stuff from Hunt for sure uh, also I think the big takeaway for me from this game was that it's another week where just we didn't need to see the next evolution of Baker Mayfield and eventually we're going to need to because you know credit to the Browns for getting these last two wins over Washington and the Bengals but I don't think they're gonna be able to run the ball quite as efficiently all season long Baker only had to throw the ball 23 times uh, today completed 16 of them for 156 yards and a pair of scores but particularly in fantasy land I mean this was the problem it's the same thing with Kirk Cousins when you're in this the fantasy Kubiak run first offense you're gonna need to have to make the most of limited opportunities thus far we haven't seen Baker do that at a high enough level to warrant you know high-end fantasy consideration uh, yeah and so mentioned this before where Gibson you know really took that step back in usage but I, I think the main takeaway for the Washington side of the ball is just that Terry McLaurin is really the only consistently fantasy viable option here I mean hey Dontrell Inman caught two touchdowns out of nowhere Logan Thomas got another seven targets I mean maybe someone can rise up eventually but for now it's only McLaurin and that takes me into the cool stat from the matchup we'll work on coming up with a better name for this, but Terry McLaurin, his last six games with Dwayne Haskins on the center has caught four passes for 57 yards and a touchdown, five passes for 130 yards and a score, seven passes for 86 yards, five catches for 61 yards, seven catches for 125 yards and a score, and most recently four catches for 83 yards. I mean, it's he's got a great floor. You would think in this type of offense that he would maybe uh, be more of a boomer bust guy, but truly Terry McLaurin, one of the more talented receivers we're, we're seeing right now. Washington's doing everything in their power to get him the ball. Even got him a rush attempt today. So right now, only Alvin Kamara has more yards after the catch in the entire league than Terry McLaurin. Guy is truly special with the ball in his hands. Moving on, we have the Chicago Bears upset the Falcons. 30 to 26 and you know this was a game that they were down heavily in uh, Trubisky didn't exactly put him in the best spot to begin with and Nick Foles was stunting a swaggy dark visor brought them all the way back uh, looking at some of the backfield situations I mentioned before uh, Tariq Cohen got that torn ACL likely so expect to see Dave Montgomery assume more of a 70 even maybe 80 percent uh, role moving forward I mean Cordero Patterson even with that injury happening was only out there for 13 percent of the snaps you know I, I, everyone knows I love CP I'm the president of the Cordero Patterson fan club but I just worry if the Bears are truly gonna you know give him that Tariq Cohen role Cohen's role is already small this year and it was in the past so I think the big takeaway from Cohen being out is that we're gonna see David Montgomery truly get a big role and he can do some good things with the targets he's you know maybe not Tariq or he's not uh you know this pure scat back but he's hardly you know a liability as a receiver and then looking at the Falcons, another week and another just kind of disappointing from uh, this disappointing performance usage-wise for Todd Gurley. Again, this was a game that the Falcons were up multiple scores up until the fourth quarter, and Gurley finished with only a 51% snap rate, 14 carries, two targets. Brian Hill was at 35%, nine carries, two targets. It's looking more and more like a two-back committee. And in Brian Hill, uh, you know, in Brian Hill's defense, he looked pretty good out there. 35-yard rushing touchdown this week. He's looked like the better receiver all season. I mean, they were training camp reports 
reports that the Falcons were pretty annoyed that they even brought in Gurley because some of them thought that Hill had kind of earned the right uh, to have that uh, big role moving forward. So we'll see. It's, you know, Gurley scored 14 carries, 80 yards on his own. And if the Falcons are going to continue to put up points like this, we're going to see him flirt with, you know, that RB2 value. But certainly a situation where he's going to be around that, you know, RB20 range, not that RB10 range anytime soon. Moving on to the key points from the game. Mentioned before, Nick Foles, oh my gosh. I mean, comes in the second half, uh, goes for 180 yards, three touchdowns and a pick. But it was even better than that because he hit Allen Robinson. It was actually his interception was really a well-thrown ball to Allen Robinson, a contested catch situation that looked like it was in Allen Robinson's hands. It was ruled a touchdown initially, got overturned to a pick. And the next drive or two drives later, he comes down, hits Anthony Miller uh, in between the numbers. Miller couldn't hold on. And then after that, Foles got the uh, comeback going. So awesome job by Foles. Matt Nagy after the game wouldn't anoint him as a starting quarterback just yet, but come on, like we all saw it. Uh, credit to Trubisky. Honestly, I've seen him look worse uh, to start this game. He had a 45-yard run uh, where he showed off some of the athleticism, deep ball at Ted Ginn that just wasn't able to stay in bounds. Uh, but it's, it's got to be a Nick Foles show after that. Come on. Uh, mentioned before, you know, Montgomery, that workhorse role is looking like now. And, you know, I'll see what the stats uh, look like after this week compared to everyone else. But, you know, I really liked him going in this game because he's been a top 12 back this year in yards after contact per attempt. Miss force tackles per attempt and just PFF rushing grade. Truly, I mean, I know he disappointed a lot of people last year, but Dave Montgomery is playing some really good football so far in 2020. Uh, finally, Calvin Ridley. Just another huge game. Five catches, 110 yards on 13 targets. And that brings us right into our cool stat of the matchup. Calvin Ridley has had at least eight targets in 11 career games. In those games, he has averaged seven catches for 106 yards and 1.2 touchdowns. His worst performance ever with at least eight targets was when he caught eight, he caught eight, eight balls for 91 yards and no scores. And then today he had five catches for 110 yards and no scores. He's literally scored in every other game that he's had at least eight targets. So, uh, you know, Calvin Ridley, the you know long offseason chatter, like 2020 Calvin Ridley equals 2019 Chris Goblin through three weeks. It certainly looks that way. Uh, Bills beat the Rams 35-32. to This was a very fun game. Looked like the Bills were just going to roll them, but Jared Goff uh, brought the guys back, so credit to him and Sean McVay. And uh, definitely, you know, some of my concerns in the preseason about whether or not this Rams offense could keep scoring points after just not doing anything to improve their offensive line. I think uh, McVay has helped helped overcome that, you know, with some really good uh, scheme stuff and really getting their wide receivers more involved and, you know, the, the running game. People smarter than myself have pointed out that the running game, they're just using way more diverse um, just run principles and different types of uh, things of that nature uh, compared to years past. So, again, a little bit over my head there. I'm just trying to keep track of the opportunities and everything like that. But uh, good to see that, and I think it does reflect uh, what you see on the film when guys like Daryl Henderson is consistently picking up all these gains. So, uh, yeah, and today at Daryl Henderson, it was his day. Uh, he didn't exactly dominate snaps or anything. He was only at 50% snaps, and Malcolm Brown was at 48%. But 20 carries for Henderson, two targets, and only seven carries and one target for Malcolm Brown. So so as long as Cam Akers remains sidelined with his ribs inj rib injury, if we see Malcolm Brown continue to be on the injury report with the finger issue, I think we can start to put you know Henderson maybe up in that top 20 back range because he looked great with the opportunities, 120 yards, and his long run was only 14. I mean, it wasn't like this dude just had one massive rush and the rest of the game he was meh. Guy was truly making dudes miss all night long, and it was great to see. 
On the Bills side of the ball with no Zach Moss, it was just the uh, Devin Singletary show. 88% snaps, 13 carries, 5 targets. TJ Yeldon was only on the field for 10% snaps. And Singletary looked really good out there. I mean, he had a 34-yard catch and run where he was breaking some tackles, looking really explosive. Problem was, and as we see in Buffalo a lot, just a pretty empty performance because Josh Allen took the rushing touchdown inside the 5-yard line. And, you know, while Singletary did catch 4 passes or 50 yards, as we've seen, you know, Josh Allen is usually more prone to chuck that thing down field uh, just not the most fantasy friendly quarterback for his running backs uh but yeah looking at the looking at the more stats throughout this josh allen three straight games with over 300 passing yards after he failed to clear that mark in 2018 and 2019 uh four more touchdowns he uh you know was only really throwing tyler croft caught two touchdowns lee smith caught the other one and stefan diggs uh, had the four so it was good to see him get his number one wide receiver the ball i've been joking that you know the Bills and the Titans, just more than anyone else, seem to just feed these number two, number three tight ends, and even the occasional occasional uh, eligible tackle, these uh, goal line touchdowns. So kind of frustrating for the fantasy managers, unless you're Josh Allen, uh, unless you're Josh Allen's fantasy manager, then you don't quite care as much. But, you know, we still see the boneheaded plays, but it's a lot easier to swallow when we have this sort of ceiling going with it. And yeah, the Bills are legit legit threat. I mean, we need the defense to step up, but we know the talent's there. I mean, Tredavious White has been doing his thing, locking down the guy. We've seen them continue to struggle with, uh, struggle with slot receivers. I mean, that's why Cooper Cup was one of the top targets going into this week, but... Still, I mean, it's a situation where you got Edmonds and Milano back. They're getting healthier now. And, you know, okay, the, the Rams put up 32 in this game, but it was a pretty dominant first half. And I think it was more, uh, you know, comeback mode than a particularly, you know, huge letdown from the Bills uh, defense. So great to see them. And they're going to be a true threat to the Patriots. I, I still got the Patriots to win the division, but uh, I cannot wait for some of those games here coming up. And, yeah, credit to Jared Goff for bringing the Rams back in this game. He still only threw the ball 32 times, uh, which is surprising. I just don't think we're going to see with this new form of the Rams offense, those, you know, 40, 50, even 60 pass attempts games we saw at uh, certain points last year. So they really want to run the ball. And, but when they do pass it, it's similar almost to uh, Seattle, where we can at least be pretty confident that Robert Woods and Cooper Cup are going to be those guys getting the ball. Uh, Cooper Cup, nine catches, 107 yards, and a touchdown. Snapped that career-long 10-game streak without 100 yards and a score. Robert Woods pitched in five receptions, 74 yards and a score, plus another 30 rushing yards that you know all, all those Robert Woods fantasy investors love week after week. So I'll continue to treat both those guys as high upside uh, wide receiver twos, if not borderline wide receiver ones, almost regardless of the matchup. Our fun stat of the matchup, though, is Stefan Diggs. I mean, just another great performance. He did score that touchdown in Jalen Ramsey's coverage. He had another touchdown getting nullified on a penalty earlier in the game. But his 16-game pace through three weeks, 149 targets, 107 receptions, 1,536 yards, and 11 scores. You know, all the credit in the world to Diggs on being one of the more talented receivers in the league and for Josh Allen to enable him to these heights. Moving on, we got the Titans beat the Vikings 31-30. to Just all sorts of shootouts going on here. It was truly a fun day of football. But in this game, Derrick Henry uh, continued to dominate snap share, even with Darrington Evans back, which was good to see. 74% snaps for Henry, 26 uh, rush attempts, and three targets. So that was good to see that they're still going to try to throw him these screens, even though Evans is back. And then on the other side of the ball for the Vikings, I mean, not that surprising. It was the Dalvin Cook show, as it was last week, as it usually is uh, throughout the year. I mean, Alexander Madison gets a little bit involved. He had 26% snaps uh, on Sunday and eight carries, but Dalvin Cook was there with 73% snaps, 22 carries and all three of the backfields targets. So, uh, you know, looking a little bit behind the numbers, 
Tannehill just kept making plays. I mean, second play of the game, he threw his perfect bomb to Khalif Raymond. He got him again for a big one later. It's just week after week after week, Tannehill is making plays. Uh, he had a bad interception where Harrison Smith uh, came over from center field and undercut uh, another potential touchdown pass. But, you know, just again, it's another great performance by Ryan Tannehill, and he has truly been anyone's idea of a top-10 quarterback over these past two years. Um, and the Derrick Henry show will get going, people. And, look, he had a great game today. I'm not trying to say that. I mean, 119 yards, two touchdowns on 26 carries chipped in another 11 yards as a receiver but we've seen this over the years where he's, his efficiency gets so much better as the weather gets colder no one wants to tackle this guy in the winter and we see that backed up with the stats I mean going into 2020 uh, he only averaged 3.9 yards per carry in September and October but then November hits and that jumps up to 5.9, December 5.4, and January 5.2. And I, I know his production over the years, like he's gotten more work in those later months, but, you know, whether it's the more work or what, like his efficiency is going through the roof too. So, uh, you know, he's already getting all the touches now. He's being just fine from fantasy land, but, you know, do not fear. We, we're going to have these 200-yard potential blow-up spots uh, right around the corner as the weather starts to get a little bit colder. And then uh, Justin Jefferson was a really big standout here uh, for the Vikings. And, uh, you know, Dalvin Cook, 181 rushing yards in the score. He looked great. His 39-yard score was great. He had another big run where he almost did the uh, Reggie Bush where he puts the ball behind his back. He didn't quite cut back all the way across the field, but it was uh, fun to see that uh, type of move again. Adam Thielen had a nice uh, diving touchdown catch uh, from Cousins, but it was a Justin Jefferson show, truly. Caught seven of nine targets for 175 yards and a score. He showed off a little bit of everything. I mean, contested catches deep ball yak ability even some swagger uh, he was talking uh, smack with uh, Malcolm Butler all game so I know a lot of people are really high in Jefferson but there was some concern about okay is he just a slot receiver can he actually play all over the field I mean at least based on this game it certainly seemed like this guy can dominate from any area of the field to me I'm not comparing him to Chris Goblin or Adam Thielen uh, just yet but he does uh, possess that ability, I think, to win on the outside as well as a slot. He's not this, you know, Adam Humphreys, Cole Beasley type, not to hate on them. Uh, but, you know, just certain receivers that truly need to be in the slot, more reps than not. Our cool stat from this matchup goes back to Mr. Ryan Tannehill, a.k.a. Tana Thrill. Since 2019, we've had 47 quarterbacks have at least 100 dropbacks. The only one with a higher PFF passing grade than Ryan Tannehill is Russell Wilson. Truly playing fantastic ball and has been for quite some time. Moving on, we have the Patriots defeating the Raiders 36-20. to um, You know, this one just really wasn't that close. I mean, first half, okay, but then Cam and the Patriots were able to pull away. Uh, looking at the backfields, the Patriots continue to uh, be uh, pretty muddled all throughout, and this is kind of like just what we're used to seeing from them at this point. But uh, Rex Burke had led the way with 47% snaps, six carries, nine targets. Uh, Sony Michelle, 37% snaps, nine carries, two targets. And J.J. Taylor, team high, 11 carries and one target on 22% snaps. And this was with James White out again for, for you know, his family reasons. We're not sure when he's going to get back. But in the meantime, you know, Rex Burkhead and maybe uh, Sony Michelle, if it keeps looking this good, because truly Sony, I mean, this was maybe the best I've ever seen him look, or at a minimum since the 2018 season. Guy looked explosive. Guy was breaking tackles. Tackles. I'm going to have some all 22 clips out early this week because truly this guy had more than a few very, very good-looking runs. Uh, so credit to Sony for the bounce-back game and Rex Burkhead for finding the end zone not once, not twice, but three separate times. Uh, the one reception he had was particularly entertaining as he flipped into the end zone. 
It's still the Cam Newton show on the ground, though. I mean, let's be honest. Nine carries, 27 yards. He didn't find the touchdown uh, in this game, but uh, he's still just the you know linchpin of this entire rushing attack, and that's what I think has helped enable uh, the efficiency for these other guys. For the Raiders, this was a game where they were trailing, and it was it was interesting what we were going to see from Josh Jacobs. They've had great game script in the first two weeks, but we knew in 2019 when they had worse game script, uh, Jalen Richard and DeAndre Washington were usually stealing a bunch of his snaps, and it didn't really go that way this week, which was good. Jacobs played 61% of the offensive snaps, 16 carries, four targets. Richard was involved, I mean, 32% snaps, uh, one carry, three targets, but Devontae Booker only played 7% snaps and only had three carries and no targets. So at a minimum, they're giving Jacobs consistent targets, at least three or four, which that's all we need because the guy is going to get, you know, 20, 15 to 20 carries every week. And weeks that they have good game script, it's going to be 25, even 30 sometimes. So, you know, we always knew Jacobs had that chance to, you know, fight for the rushing crown. But if he can continue to get these three to five targets per game, that's going to go a long way into making him, you know, a truly game script, independent, top five weekly back. So, yeah, you know, I mentioned this before, but the Patriots' run game is just looking lethal at this point. And we've seen this going back. I mean, the top four offenses in yards before contact per rush since 2015 have had Tyrod Taylor, Lamar Jackson, and Kyler Murray as their quarterbacks. I mean, you, we see the read options, uh, the veers. Cam is so good at making that right decision time after time after time. And, you know, when you do that, it just makes things life that much easier for not only Cam, but also his running backs around him. I just feel like this offense needs an alpha receiver. I mean, Nikhil Harry just not doing it for me. Can't separate. They try to get him some, you know, reverses, get the ball in his hands. That just doesn't go well. Julian Edelman, you know, we saw what he did. I'm not going to worry about his two catches for 23 yards uh, this game that much. We saw what he did in week two against the Seahawks. But, you know, I, I, I just really think it's a situation where – if they could add a true alpha on the outside. I mean, imagine if they could actually get Antonio Brown there. I know that's not going to happen after some of the things he said about Robert Kraft and stuff, but truly, you know, like the Bills added Stephon Diggs, I think the Patriots are, you know, one more type of, of receiver that's just that good away from really opening up this offense to a high level. Uh, and then on the Raiders, you know, I think missing, not I'm not saying Henry Ruggs is that, you know, type of alpha receiver yet, but, uh, you know, the impact he has on this offense, I think, was hurting without him in the lineup. I mean, we saw Darren Waller just not be able to get anything going only two catches for nine yards Hunter Renfro ended up with 84 yards in the score but a good portion of that was towards the end of the game particularly the score and I just think not having rugs to really you know stretch that field and I know Derek Carr doesn't throw it to him when he stretches the field but it's still the fear of that and that's what helps opens up everything underneath for Waller and the run game as a whole so you know I mean it wasn't an awful game from Derek Carr 32 attempts 261 yards and two scores but I just think you know we're always going to be looking at an average to above average and a good matchup Raiders offense unless they can convince defenses that they're going to be trying to push the ball down the field. Carr isn't going to be able to convince him of that himself, but when you have Henry Ruggs and those 4-2 wheels out there, you got to pay attention to the guy. Uh, cool stat from this matchup. We still have the Monday night football game uh, to go through. So I'm talking about Lamar Jackson here with this stat. But right now, Cam is number one in rush attempts by a QB. Uh, he's number two in rushing yards, and he's tied for first with Kyler for rushing scores uh, with four. So, you know, going into this year, I think we all expected to see like a reduced version of Cam as a runner and as an athlete, but that is not what we've gotten by any stretch of the imagination. So this wasn't his biggest game uh, in terms of fantasy land, but we still need to treat him as anyone's idea of a high end QB1 moving forward. Uh, 49ers beat up on the Giants 36 to nine. Oh man, this one was not 
even close. I guess at halftime it was, but then they just pulled away big time. You know, one of the stacks I was really on in my DFS lineups was Daniel Jones and these receivers because Saquon was out, Shepard was out, and the 49ers, their defensive line and secondary alike, just all kinds of banged up. Ultimately, it doesn't matter when you got the clapper calling your plays. So need to, uh, you know, give Kyle Shanahan and uh, Robert um, and their defensive coordinator all the respect in the world. Great game plan, really made life hard on Daniel Jones and company throughout the afternoon. Uh, running back splits for San Francisco were interesting. You know, not playing with Raheem Mostert or Tevin Coleman. We weren't sure if uh, Jared McKinnon was going to get that true featured role or not, and he did. 60% snaps, 14 carries, 4 targets. Jeff Wilson was involved too, 32% snaps, 12 carries, 3 targets, but he did get a lot more of his work uh, in that fourth quarter when the game was getting out of hand. So McKinnon truly was the RB1 in this game. Uh, on the Giants side of the ball, I mean, look, this is like the whole argument that I tried to present to you guys about why we should not be touching this Giants backfield was what if Saquon Barkley couldn't do anything behind this line then what the hell are any of these guys going to do and we don't know what the committee situation we're looking at is and oh my gosh it is a mess everyone Deion Lewis 39% snaps uh, Wayne Gallman 35% snaps Devontae Freeman 29% snaps and none of them had more than six total touches none of them look good at all this Giants offense is a complete mess they're gonna have better days at some point I think but it's certainly not a situation we should be you know expecting a high floor of by any stretch of the imagination so yeah I mentioned before you know just Shanahan and this overall scheme I mean, nothing against McKinnon and Jeff Wilson or Brandon Ayuk in the defense but with these injuries on the road and for them to just dominate like this just all the credit in the world to that coaching staff because uh, nothing on paper uh, pointed uh, I think pointed to this sort of outcome uh, occurring and you know Nick Mullins was more than solid I mean completed 25 of 36 passes for 343 yards and a score and it was kind of like the Jimmy G experience to an extent like there weren't just so many throws where you just said wow like Mullins look at that arm talent or look at that anticipation a lot of times where he hit the open guy and the open guy was able to pick up you know some yak and that's the 49ers scheme and that's what it's great to have Shanahan back there but again you need a guy that can execute that and Nick Mullins is one of those guys he still gives his team a good chance to win against just about anyone even as Jimmy G is sideline looking at the Giants side of the ball I mean yeah I was a lot higher on Daniel Jones earlier in the offseason he showed big spike week potential in 2019 with a rushing floor it's been a rough start in the season I mean Steelers Bears now yes a banged up version of the 49ers but still the 49ers I think will have a little bit better performances moving forward but it's not looking good and it's not even all his fault and this is moving on to our cool style in the matchup but only four QBs have been pressured on at least 40% of their dropbacks this season. Jeff Driscoll, Lamar Jackson, Kirk Cousins, and Daniel Jones. And, you know, maybe some of that is just influenced from that Steelers game and that whole disaster. But I think, uh, you know, it's just going to be hard to expect too much from this offense as long as Daniel Jones and company continue to just really struggle to get much of anything going in terms of pass protection. Up next, we got the Bengals and the Eagles. 23-23 tie. A tie is just like kissing your sister. It's gross. And this game, honestly, was pretty gross throughout. Uh, in terms of running back splits, pretty much what we kind of came to expect. I mean, with the Eagles, we saw Miles Sanders continue to work as the uh, clear-cut lead guy. 77% snaps, 18 carries, eight targets. I mean, he is going to be anyone's idea of a top, uh, you know, eight running back moving forward. Just wish it was in a slightly more efficient offense. And then on the other side with the Bengals, Joe Mixon played 73% snaps, 17 carries, uh, two targets. Giovanni Bernard was at 26%, zero carries and three targets, one of which went 
you know, about 40 yards. He looked pretty explosive on it. But Mixon's the guy. Another scoreless effort. I know it's annoying for all the uh, fantasy investors out there, but stay patient. This guy is not going to go the whole season without scoring, and it's still so rare to find uh, t- running backs, you know, guaranteed for 20-plus touches. The offensive line I mean, is awful in Cincinnati. I mean, Joe Burrow, we were making David Carr uh, jokes at the PFF studios getting so bad. He took eight sacks uh, over the course of this 70-minute football game. I mean, Carson Wentz wasn't, uh, you know, much better with the sort of pressure he was under. And now with Jason Peters, their left tackle potentially hurt. Two offensive lines that might not necessarily be, you know, confused with even a below average unit uh, in the near future. But I do think uh, Mixon and Sanders have the sort of volume that's going to win out before too long. Um, and yeah, just pressure all day for these offenses. I mean, this was ugly. And, you know, Burrow still got 312 yards and two scores on his 44 pass attempts. But Wentz, I mean, the only reason he somewhat salvaged his fantasy day was in 65 yards and a touchdown on the ground. So the fact that Wentz really had to resort to that part of his game was, uh, you know, disappointing to see. And, you know, whether or not he's seeing ghosts, or, and it did seem like that at certain points. I mean, you know, you throw the ball 47 times against the Bengals and only get 225 yards. That's a problem. But even if once, you know, just didn't have a good game and the best is still yet to come, now we're at the point that we've been at over the last few years, which is just so many injuries, and how can we even expect him to get it done at this point? I mean, Rager's out. Deshaun Jackson's now got this hamstring. Dallas Goddard's got an ankle injury. So Sanders is there. Ertz is there but once again you know we just have these underneath and intermediate threats with no one to kind of force defenses to get uh you know away from loading the box so more tough times likely on the horizon for Wentz and this passing game and yeah I mentioned this before Miles Sanders I mean this is just to be a volume season I know he was you know DFS chalk and didn't quite come through with that but this could have been such a bigger day I mean he ran a filthy double move lined up as a wide receiver got wide open had a sure thing 50 plus yard receiving touchdown that once just sailed over him big time sheesh moment unfortunate to see but a uh, big stat of the matchup Joe Burrow okay he hasn't been great this year we haven't seen you know consistent trunk plays up behind this offensive line it's so hard to uh you know call him out and say he's been anything but as good as he could be given the circumstances. And the fact that he hasn't just, you know, been a train wreck, I think says a lot about how good this guy is going to be eventually. And he has kept such good care of the football. I mean, he is number one in the NFL right now with 164 dropbacks. Of those 164 dropbacks, only three have been deemed turnover-worthy plays by PFF. That rate is good for the eighth best mark among 33 qualified QBs. Truly, better days will be ahead for Joe Burrow, and I would think sooner rather than later. Next matchup, we had the Steelers defeating the Texans 28-21. to uh, This was a game where the Texans were, came out hot in the first half. You know, Deshaun Watson was making some of his off-script wizardry uh, going on, but ultimately just got away from him a little bit, and that Steelers defense uh, was able to take over. So with the Texans, David Johnson continued to play almost every single snap. 96% snap rate, 13 carries, 3 targets. On the Steelers' side, it was a little bit different. I mean, James Conner had 18 carries and 5 targets, was definitely the workhorse, but 66% snap rate isn't really what we're used to seeing here. We saw uh, Benny Snell play 20% snaps with seven carries. Anthony McFarlane, a.k.a. Booger, had uh, 12% snaps, six carries, and two targets. And even Jalen Samuels was out there for 8%. So, look, I mean, Connor, if he's getting 20-plus touches per game, we're going to sign him up as a borderline RB1 every single week. But, you know, seeing that 66%, it makes me wonder if they just aren't quite – 
fully satisfied with the situation right now. So again, I'm still going to fire up Connor as a borderline RB1 as long as this guy is healthy, but uh, just something to keep an eye on moving forward with, you know, their willingness to use Snell and McFarlane, particularly in some short yardage situations. So, uh, you know, mention this in some articles this week, but we're seeing a different Big Ben this season. I mean, his average target depth is usually in the double digits and around the top of the league, but it's been lower so far. And, you know, we kind of saw that in this game where, hey, 28 points, two touchdowns, like you're not going to complain about that, but 237 yards on 36 pass attempts, like we're not seeing the same guy that threw for 5K plus yards in 2018, uh, much more willing to, you know, just move the offense more efficiently down the field. Had some problems doing that once Deontay Johnson had to leave with the concussion, but, you know, we still saw Eric Ebron step up, five catches, 52 yards in the score. Juju Smith-Schuster, four catches, 43 yards in the score. And, you know, we have Washington, uh, James Washington, Chase Claypool making some splash plays as well. So even without Deontay, there's more than enough talent on this offense for uh, Big Ben to put up some numbers. But just keep in mind that we're not really looking at the same top five upside, I think, passing game as we saw in the recent history. Yeah, I was surprised to see Connor not get that featured role, but you know we'll go back to the well here. 18 carries, 109 yards, and a score. Chipped in a 4.40 uh, receiving line, so that's borderline RB one stuff, and that's even more than borderline RB one stuff. That's a legit uh, top 12 running back performance. So I know this season started off really bad. You know, if you want one of the people like myself that took a lot of risks on James Connor in the league, you know it wasn't looking good after a week one when Benny Snell was just looking fantastic. But you know, two weeks later, and it's looking like James Connor is. Uh, more more times than not, as long as he can stay healthy, going to be a good bet for a touchdown and 100 total yards. So hopefully this continues to pay off. I am knocking on wood right now and trying not to echo it. Uh, better days are ahead for the Houston Texans, though. I just want to stress this, and I said this before this week, but you cannot have a tougher start than they just did. You know, Chiefs, Ravens, Steelers, now is when the time to expect, you know, blow performances from these guys begins. Because next up is the Vikings, then the Jaguars, and the Titans, and the Packers, and the Jaguars again, and then the Browns. And we have Will Fuller, Randall Cobb, Brandon Cooks, top three options. Jordan Akins is doing some things, you know, with uh, Darren Fells really not being all that involved, and David Johnson playing a 90% plus snap roll. Even when Duke Johnson gets back, David's still going to be uh, featured to a heavy extent. So expect bigger things from Deshaun Watson and this offense on the horizon. They might not be this, you know, 10 and 6, 12 and 4 type team. I, I think that's pretty clear, but I refuse to believe that Deshaun Watson's just going to, you know, limp limp on on this like 2 and 14 team or something like that. He's too good. And, you know, credit to this defense again, where they haven't, you know, shut down any of these offenses per se, but once again, didn't make it easy on them. And we didn't exactly see just, you know, busted bust big play after busted big play or anything. Haven't seen that all season. As long as Watson and J.J. Watt are healthy, this Texans team can play with pretty much anyone. I know it hasn't been the best first three weeks, but better days will be ahead. Uh, cool stat here, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster's season has gotten 19 targets. He has caught 17 of them for 160 yards and three scores. You know, the eye test doesn't look great. He battled this knee injury throughout the week, and I'll be honest, I mean, he had a play today where I, I was just kind of shocked how slow he looked, but he did get the touchdown. They're scheming him well. He's gonna, always going to have these great matches from the slot, and as long as him and Big Ben can keep this efficiency, both he and Deontay have a chance to flirt with the top 20 numbers when it's all said and done. Uh, moving on, a game I have not had a, the pleasure of watching yet, and I say pleasure with all the irony in the world because Colts 36, Jets 7. Uh, not great. Didn't look great. This was a mess uh, for the Jets' backfield. You know, I've told you guys not to touch this with a 10-foot pole, and we saw we saw why. Frank Gore, 43% snaps, 15 carries, one target. Kalen Ballage, 25% snaps, five targets for some reason. Uh, LaMichael Pirine, 33% snaps, seven carries, 
just don't do it. These guys are going to be lucky to score a touchdown per week uh, in their current state. With the Colts, uh, Jonathan Taylor didn't dominate snaps and touches as much as we saw uh, last week. He was still the league guy, clearly played 41% of the offensive snaps, team high 13 carries, one target. But Naeem Hines was more involved than we saw last week, 34% of snaps, seven carries, five targets. And Jordan Wilkins played 27% of snaps and had nine carries. Like last week, though, and this is back-to-back weeks, the Colts have been able to build pretty big leads and comfortably win much of Jordan Wilkins' production came in that fourth quarter. So as long as we can get someone that can play with the Colts eventually, which we will see on this schedule, uh, Jordan Wilkins, I think, will have more surefire, uh, you know, top five to top ten weekly RB performances. And yeah, I would just point out that uh, you might be wondering, like, why none of these uh, running backs had that big of games if the Colts put up 36 points. And that's because Darnold threw two pick sixes and had a safety. So the Jets uh, defense actually only allowed 20 points. The Jets offense was responsible for the other 16. So uh, truly an embarrassment of an organization right now. And yeah, just a weird game. Another low volume effort from Rivers in the game that didn't need him to do hardly anything. I mean, I know this was the T.Y. Hilton, Grandma storyline, you know, rebound spot, but just didn't quite go that way. Three catches, 52 yards, and only three targets. No one had more than five targets, and it's hard to do uh, too much with that when that's the type of uh, passing game workload you're working with. So, uh, Sam Darnold, uh, he had the wild throw then last week that you know was making its rounds on social media. He had another good touchdown to start the game to Braxton Barrios, but after that, just a disaster. So, it's tough to trust anyone. It's Adam Gase offense. You know, I tried to stand for my guy Chris Herndon all offseason, but, you know, when he's just being asked to pass block on, you know, almost half of his snaps, tough to be nice about pretty much anything. Braxton Berrios, another good game and a touchdown, but Jameson Crowder, you know, once he's back, he's going to relegate Berrios back to the bench, and he's just not a guy I'm looking to uh, roster. There's a literally almost a zero-point floor for anyone on this team, and, you know, they're down to their fifth and sixth wide receivers. It might even be lower than that at this point. It's just a disaster. Uh, cool stat from this. It's just Philip Rivers not being relied on to chuck the ball all over the place for once. I mean, 21 pass attempts. Last week he had just 25. And so he only had two such performances with 25 or fewer pass attempts in 2018, one in 2019, one in 2016. So that's four from 2016, 2019. He's had two in back-to-back weeks, and he had none going back to 2014 other than that. So truly, he's had uh, half as many games with fewer than 25 pass attempts and three games this season as he had from 2015 to 2019. Madness. Uh, moving on, we had the Panthers defeating the Chargers 21 to 16. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater was able to overcome being a you know touchdown underdog, which was one of the more wonky lines out there. I, mean, I know the Chargers have a great defense, and hey, they took the Chiefs down to the wire. But this was still uh, you know a rookie quarterback making his first uh, NFL start in Justin Herbert. Uh, the good news was though we saw Austin Eckler continue to dominate. In terms of a just kind of a backfield snap share, 73% snaps, 12 carries, 11 targets. Joshua Kelly just wasn't as involved, 27% snaps, 8 carries, 2 targets. Eckler looked fantastic, as he did last week. He was PFS number one running back of week two. Expect more good things from one of the better overall backs in the league. Now, the Panthers one was interesting, and, you know, I'm happy I didn't screw all you people over. I love all you listeners, and I told you guys, Mike Davis, number one waiver claim, and I feel happy about that after seeing him uh, this week. 76% snaps, 13 carries, 9 targets. Uh, Reggie Bonifant only had 4% snaps, 2 carries, uh, 0 targets, and... 
you know, I was wondering, because as a, you know, Columbus, Ohio lifer, and I love my Buckeyes, and I love Curtis Samuel in particular, I was hoping we'd see a little bit more of Curtis Samuel in the backfield because of how efficient he's been over the years. But ultimately, it was only nine total snaps in the backfield. He had four carries and four targets. So, hey, he worked ahead of Reggie Bonifant. I'll take that as a small win, but this is Mike Davis's backfield, and he made good use of it. And it's, it's pretty funny that Teddy has been feeding Mike Davis because uh, Christian McCaffrey wasn't even getting that many targets to start the year. But, you know, credit to Davis for making the most out of it. It caught eight of eight of those nine targets for 45 yards and a score converted his 13 carries into 46 yards, had a nifty 25-yard run between there. He's good. He's not McCaffrey, but you know what? You don't need to be McCaffrey when you're threatening to get 20 plus touches per game and you have this sort of pass down work. So Mike Davis, you know, this week had him as, you know, kind of a borderline top 20 back. He's going to be flirting with the top 15 status if he keeps this up. Uh, so, you know, not a great Panthers offense still, but if Mike Davis is getting that sort of work, uh, we love that in fantasy land. Teddy wasn't spectacular, but, you know, got to win and was pr- plenty efficient doing so. 22 completions, 28 attempts for 235 yards and a score. Uh, DJ Moore only had four targets, caught two of them for 65 yards. Uh, Robbie Anderson, five catches for 55 yards, uh, no scores. Just wasn't a big game from this passing attack. I am happy to buy low on DJ Moore. I still think he's the number one wide receiver in this offense, and they're going to be passing enough more times than not. I mean, don't get it twisted. This is not a good Panthers team the defense uh, you know slowed down Herbert but I don't think we're going to see them you know limiting too many other offenses at 16 points uh, there's gonna be a lot more games ahead we're going to see DJ Moore getting double digit targets and he is two talented receiver to continue to be this quiet with that sort of a workload so um, on the Chargers side of the ball, Herbert, his touchdown was beautiful to uh, Keenan Allen, just a situation where uh, he was able to put the ball in the perfect spot for him. Uh, 19 targets for Keenan Allen. He caught 13 of them for 132 yards and a score. I mean, 19 targets for Keenan, 11 for Eckler. Hunter Henry had seven, no one else more than five. And part of that was Mike Williams suffering a hamstring injury. But it is good to see Herbert, you know, give these talented pass game options the roles that, you know, Rivers pretty much had for him last year and that all the fantasy investors were hoping for. So, you know, Eckler made the most of them, 84 yards, had another 59 yards in the score on the ground. I think moving forward, we can get back to treating uh, Eckler and potentially Keenan Allen with this sort of workload, uh, you know, as RB1s and wide receiver ones, respectively. So cool stat from the matchup. Austin Eckler is on pace for 85 targets this season. Now, that's less than last year. He only had had 108 last year. So that's a downgrade. We knew this going away from Philip Rivers, who throws to running backs more than just about anyone, to Tyrod or Herbert or anybody else. We're not going to get that same sort of target ceiling. But the big reason why we were saying draft Eckler as an RB1 was because the, his main competition for touches in Melvin Gordon left. And because of that, uh, Eckler is on pace for 250 rush attempts this year. He is not a scat back. I mean, 250 rush attempts is no joke. He had just 132 last season. So, again, you know, it's a little decrease in targets. It's uh, looking like it's going to be maybe 23 uh, fewer targets than last year, you know, if these paces hold. But, you know, the fact he's going to have 118 more rush attempts, uh, that's a whole lot of extra extra touches for one of the league's more talented backs over these last two seasons. Buccaneers beat the Broncos 28 to 10. Uh, This is one of the three games I have yet to watch. So, you know, excuse me if I'm too wrong with any of uh, these statements. But uh, this was a situation, you know, we were recommending all week do not uh, start. 
do not start Leonard Fournette or Ronald Jones as like RB twos. I understand, you know, with injuries and flexes and just big leagues, if you got to start the guys, but just, I was saying, don't expect that production yet, because sure enough, this backfield is far from set in stone. Ronald Jones had 52% snaps, 13 carries, four targets. Leonard Fournette only had 35% snaps, seven carries, two targets. LaShawn McCoy continued to be annoying with 17% snaps and two targets. Uh, on the other side of the ball for Denver, a little bit of this was blowout, I think, but Melvin Gordon really didn't get that same featured role we saw last week with Philip Lindsay out overall he had 62 percent snaps and Royce Freeman had 38 percent snaps Gordon did have seven carries and six targets while Freeman only had two and two but uh with this offense you know Jeff Driscoll did not look good uh, it's going to be a situation next week against the Jets where I think that's a good enough spot where we can maybe still treat Gordon as a top 20 back but right now uh, he's just unfortunately becoming a victim uh, to his overall environments but uh, TB12 I mean pretty great game for him he didn't he, he missed opportunities and he still had himself a good game 297 yards and three touchdowns uh, he missed Gronk for a wide open score and then he uh, couldn't find someone else I forget who it was but again I'll catch up on that later uh, so his guys were getting open Scotty Miller made a great catch down the field on uh, Brady, just, you know, one of those deep balls that just dropped it right into a bucket. Uh, Chris Goblin had a nice red zone touchdown. Mike Evans with a hysterical two catches for two yards and two touchdowns line, uh, you know, Jordan Howard-esque on the goal line as a big body receiver. So, Again, I think we're going to see bigger days to come for this passing offense. With that in mind, I mean, this muddle committee is going to become more fantasy-friendly uh, as we move forward. And again, 28 points uh, at mile high is nothing to scoff about, but I do think it's a, uh, it's a good indication, a good reminder that this Broncos team is not going to be good this year. And it, it looked like they had the potential to, getting Bradley Chubb back to join Von Miller and some of the secondary additions. But a lot of those guys have gotten hurt, including Von Miller and now Drew Locke. So uh, Jeff Driscoll was fairly erratic throughout, five sacks underneath a lot of pressure. He got pulled for Brett Ripien um, in the fourth quarter. Sorry for butchering his last name. I'll work on it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so it just wasn't the best game for Driscoll. And, you know, I was never trying to say Driscoll was necessarily a guy that, you know, is going to have a long-term feature in the NFL. But he is fun. I am looking forward to the Broncos-Jets Thursday night game because I hope Driscoll is still under center for that. Uh, going into this game, he, Matthew Stafford, and Jameis Winston were the only guys with a double-digit average target depth over the last two seasons. And although Driscoll, Driscoll only had 14 rushing yards today, he does have that sort of dual threat ability to make uh, you know something bigger happen down the road so a uh, fun stat line from this it does go back to Mike Evans because he again he had the two catches for two yards and two touchdowns this week and week one he had one catch for two yards and a score I mean these are legit Peyton Barber Jordan Howard like, they gotta be jealous looking at this uh, week two of course he went for seven catches 104 yards and a score so obviously fantasy managers aren't too worried about the four touchdowns in three weeks but It'd certainly be nice to get a little bit higher uh, yards floor moving forward. Uh, the Detroit Lions beat the Arizona Cardinals 26-213 in Kenny Galladay's return. Uh, pretty fun game. And this was, uh, you know, a, a matchup where Kyler just – Three interceptions, not really what you want to see there. Obviously, wasn't able to kind of make it work. But, you know, three-point loss in a game where Kyler didn't have his best performance at all. Uh, nothing to be, feel too worried about moving forward. Uh, Kenyon Drake continued to dominate the Cardinals' backfield despite not finding the end zone. Uh, 70% snaps, 18 carries, one target. Chase Edmonds was at 30% uh, snaps, three carries, and two targets. So still the Drake show. I still think there'll be bigger days to come. It's annoying, but, uh, you know, Kyler Murray, four touchdowns on the ground through three weeks. Uh, look, he's... He's too small to consistently earn these uh, uh, design touches inside the five-yard line. And he keeps himself plenty healthy, and guys can barely lay a finger on him, so it's not like he's exposing himself to many big hits. But look, like it's... 
similar to Chris Carson with the Seahawks, assuming he's healthy, like you, we're not going to see these starting bell cow running backs go much longer without finding a way to get in the end zone on the ground. Stay patient. It's still a starting running back and a very good offense that's looking at 20 plus touches per week. Uh, looking at the Lions, oh my God, like when I, treat, when I tweeted out this uh, backfield committee stats, I had to throw in a NSFW there because it is brutal. Adrian Peterson, 61% snaps, 22 carries, one target. Carry on Johnson, 29% snaps, three carries, one target. DeAndre Swift only played 8% of the offensive snaps, no carries, two targets. Like, Why are you spending high round picks on Carry on Johnson, DeAndre Swift, only the feature Adrian Peterson? I don't get it. Nothing to take away from Adrian Peterson, but come on. Come on. I don't get it. Uh, moving on uh, with this. So Stafford, I was expecting his average target depth to spike with Kenny Galladay back. That didn't happen. And because of that, you know, 270 yards, two touchdowns, still not the most fancy-friendly performance uh, we were looking for. Hey, they got the win, but I think, uh, you know, with Matt Patricia and, and company being willing to more or less flow the offense through Adrian Peterson, might be tough to see Stafford get back to those 2019 heights. Um, on the other side of the ball, Kyler. 18, I'm sorry, that's, that's kidding. Five carries, 29 yards, and a score. The, the, the rushing touchdown was nifty as all hell. He made several guys miss. Uh, a little bit struggles through the air, 270 yards, two touchdowns, and three picks, but still just had some highlight-worthy throws out there, particularly to Andy Isabella, who had two scores. But it was DeAndre Hopkins who, you know, is continuing to look like maybe the single best wide receiver in the entire league. Item as a fancy wide receiver five going this season, but you know to to expect this and what's happened and this uh, you know chemistry immediate chemistry with Kyler Murray has been wild to see. He caught ten of twelve targets for 137 yards on the day, and this takes us into our cool stat from the matchup. And DeAndre Hopkins' 16 game pace is a Julio Jones esque 197 targets, 171 receptions, 1899 receiving yards and five touchdowns. So I think the scores will increase uh, as we move on. But either way, I mean, oh my goodness. You know, as someone that was worried if Hopkins could, you know, reach that 150 target threshold he's easily been clearing over the years, hell, the guy's looking at 200 plus. So uh, great stuff from him. Just two more games to get through, everyone. I appreciate you sticking with me. But first, I'm going to have to give a shout out to some of our sponsors, particularly at Underdog Fantasy. If you like fantasy football, you need to be playing on Underdog Fantasy. My new favorite uh, fantasy football app, the website and app, are super slick and by far the best experience out there to do snake draft games for real money every week. Draft a new team, get a shot at big prizes. No lineup setting, waiver wires, bad trades to deal with. Team that built the app is top-notch. Customer support is awesome. Go to Underdog Fantasy on your app store or go to underdogfantasy.com to play today. Make your first deposit and be sure to use the code PFF to let them know that I sent you. So two more games here. Uh, really entertaining shootout. Cowboys uh, lost the Seahawks 38-231. Uh, just back and forth game. Russ was cooking. Dak was cooking. It was a fun time uh, for all. Zico Elliott did not leave the field 100% snaps, 14 carries, uh, seven targets. Did not look good receiving at all. I and mean, we had several of those balls uh, dropped to the ground off his hands. I wonder if we see Tony Pollard get a little more involved in future weeks. I doubt it. I mean, if, if they did, it would still be minimal. It's still Zeke's backfield, and you know, I think he'll make up for that in the future he's never been a guy that's been you know liability as a receiver and just one bad week uh, after he looked really good and in great shape and you know really elusive those first two weeks uh, I'm not going to worry too much about one you know quote-unquote down performance from Zeke 
With the Seattle backfield, Chris Carson had a leg injury late, but he was dominating uh, snaps and touches before that. 64% snaps, uh, 14 carries, uh, three targets. He was my helicopter pick. We've gone crashing down again, everyone. It sucks. I, I would uh, rather hit a helicopter pick and you know lose all my money in DFS, but uh, it's not quite uh, the situation that's been set up for us so far. Uh, Carson got stopped inside the one-yard line twice. Russell Wilson had three touchdowns from the one-yard line. No, I'm not bitter. You're bitter. Uh, looking more at these uh, passing stats, though. I mean, Russell Wilson, oh my goodness, 27 for 40, 315 yards, five touchdowns. Should have had six, but DK Metcalf got Leon Leddit, uh by Diggs pretty much, you know, coasting into the end zone and got uh, hit out the end zone for a safety. So just another awesome performance by Russ. And, you know, to see Metcalf go four catches, 110 yards, and get a score later anyway. Uh, good to see him rebound. But Tyler Lockett was the star. Nine catches on 13 targets for 100 yards. And not one, not two, but three touchdowns. It's a huge performance from Lockett. One of them was deep, but, you know, more uh, more so we were seeing lower ADOT stuff. And I think that's helped him uh, really have a fancy-friendly floor for the first time in his career. But, yeah, looking at this backfield, I mean, Carson's hurt. We don't know how bad, but Rashad Penny's still hurt. It would be nice to see them try to get one more real weapon. If they're going to keep throwing this hard, I mean, you know, we've heard the rumors all offseason, but if Antonio Brown can somehow get on the Seattle Seahawks team, look the hell out. I just feel like if they don't have a consistent rushing attack, like we saw this happen in the playoffs last season, if they don't have anyone they can rely on there, uh, you know, for just any sort of consistency in the run or pass game, you know, Metcalf and Lockett, they can win a lot of games with that. But if they could have one more guy, I think it would really give them a chance to, uh, you know, be this just premier uh, NFC number one contender. I'm not even saying they're, they might already very well be the number one contender in the NFC, but adding one more weapon on offense to help them, you know, win uh, more of these shootouts while their defense stays somewhat mediocre, I think would be huge. Uh, with the Cowboys, Dak continues to put up just absolutely huge numbers. Uh, 57 pass attempts in this one, 472 yards, three touchdowns, two picks, one of which was more or less a Hail Mary attempt. Whether or not he should have thrown that Hail Mary on that player, waited until the fourth and 14 that was about to come up you know it's up for debate but really great performance I mean it wasn't like these Cowboys receivers were just running wide open all game I mean some of the balls he put on the Michael Gallup downfield were just beautiful and we continue to see multiple wide receivers uh, ball and ball out in this offense Gallup had six catches 138 yards and a score on nine targets Cedric Wilson out of nowhere the number four wide receiver had five catches for 172 yards and two touchdowns uh, Cooper had nine catches for 86 yards CeeDee Lamb had five catches for 65 yards so uh, the Cedric Wilson train like no don't pick him up in fantasy he's going to be our number four receiver and the snaps are going to be tough to come by in future weeks but if we do see an injury to Gallup Cooper or Lamb that could be a situation where we can look to Wilson for some one-week uh, support. So cool stat from this one is that PFF has charged Russell Wilson with zero turnover-worthy plays on 122 dropbacks a season. And now before you say, but Ian, Russell Wilson threw a pick this season. That interception hit Greg Olson in the hands and then went to the defender. So that was not deemed a turnover-worthy play. It's just amazing that Russell Wilson, who throws the best deep ball in the game, is just shredding every defense, is also doing so without even putting the ball at risk. So just fantastic start. From Russell Wilson, 14 touchdowns, and then just that one interception. That was not his fault. A fun Sunday night game uh, to finish things up. The Packers beat the Saints 37-30. to And, oh, my goodness, the Alvin Kamara show was in full effect. I mean, 13 catches for 139 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, I, I took these stats right at the end of the game, so he might have even cleared this at this point. But 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cheat a little bit and skip to my cool matchup stat right now because Kamara has 278 yards after the catch this season, 282 receiving yards. So he's catching the ball behind the line of scrimmage almost every single time or, you know, maybe it's four or five yards downfield and then picking up everything. But that 278 yards after the catch, Terry McLaurin is second at 179. So Kamara has almost 100 yards more after the catch than the next closest player in the NFL. Just truly unbelievable. And, I mean, he had a 52-yard touchdown where, you know, you can call it bad tackle. But how many times are we going to watch an Alvin Kamara run and blame it on bad tackling? I think at some point we got to give him the credit he deserves. As Chris Collins was said on the broadcast, you know, it's very hard to name, uh, you know, running back you'd rather have on your team than Alvin Kamara. I maintain, you know, if we were playing the Aliens in one game, I would want Saquon Barkley as the as the running back back there. But, you know, Alvin Kamara certainly is in that conversation, and he is and will always be the swag team RB1. Um, looking at this passing game, though, Alan Lazard, massive performance, caught six of eight targets for 146 yards and a score. Marquez Ball is scaling only one catch for five yards. So the answer to which one of those guys to play was certainly Lazard in hindsight. I mean, MVS has had a super high average target def uh, this season, and really his role just didn't change without Devontae there. So Lazard was the one that seemed to take more of the intermediate stuff. Not that he didn't stretch the field. I mean, 72-yard uh, reception. He had another big one uh, later, but definitely seemed to be a more concerted effort to get Lazard the ball. And I think we're going to see that reflected in the ranks uh, next week with Lazard, you know, maybe flirting with that top 30 range if Devontae Adams remains out and uh, MVS probably sticking around that top 40 spot. So uh, good stuff from there. I mean, Aaron Rodgers just had some awesome throws, 283 yards, three touchdowns, no picks per usual. The guy doesn't make mistakes. He's meshing better than ever with LaFleur. You know, they didn't add him any more weapons in the offseason. And guess what? It doesn't matter because pissed off Aaron Rodgers won't take no for an answer on this revenge tour. And the Packers are 3-0 to say for it. So uh, Drew Brees, you know, continues to not really push the ball downfield. They got 30 points, but... 36 pass attempts, 288 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, again, it's hard to complain about this because things are just made so much easier with Alvin Kamara. And to Breeze's credit, I mean, Emmanuel Sanders had a touchdown in the red zone. That was just a perfect throw from Breeze between defenders. But uh, it's a situation we've seen for the last few years now where Breeze, he's so efficient and he's so accurate underneath that, you know, when you have Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas and these guys that can get open and make plays even with the whole defense keying on them, it's fine. And that's why the Saints have continuously won double-digit games and you know made the playoffs and had these high producing offenses but it's also why we've seen when the going gets tough in those Vikings playoff games and even you know a little bit early in the season when they're forced to try to make a play downfield forced to you know do something that's not comfortable doing that's when the trouble creeps up so you know unless this defense is going to become a group of world beaters or something I do still have concerns about the Saints once they go ahead and start playing uh, more uh, legit uh, competition and as we saw like today so that's going to do it everyone thank you for listening to pff fantasy football podcast uh you know again every single day of the week i'm here trying to you know give you guys all the usage all the notes all the uh, fantasy football helpful takeaways to go win your leagues and hopefully go win a lot of money over the weekend so new podcast episodes out monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday you know i hope everyone really enjoyed this week and i hope you all enjoy the awesome has to be awesome uh, Chiefs Ravens Monday night game we got coming up so I'm Ian Harditz thank you all for listening and take care